0: In the garage, I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. Um, here's our third movie for Tarnished Silver, and it's not.
1: <laughs> right, look, dude this this Tarnished this Silver has been polished a little bit better than and a little bit brighter than the other uh, two entries. Yeah, for sure.
0: It might have something to do with the fact that Peter Himes is behind the uh, the lens and the, camera, the direct, and the right? sitting in the director's chair handling double duties for Enemies Closer. Oh, man. Okay. Literally not even 60 seconds ago. It, what did you say about Van Damme? I said that he should only play a bad guy. He should only play a bad guy. He's so fucking good at it.
1: He's so... Dude, he... Like, he's just... And he's having a fucking great time. You can yeah. totally tell. He's yeah. relishing in it. There's something on camera when you're watching him in a film directed by Peter Himes, where he just seems way more comfortable. Than, yep. uh, you know, they have a great sort of working relationship, whatever it is. It works in all three of the movies they've done. Cause I got to say those other two that they did with Himes, they're both in my like top John, Jean-Claude top 10 easy top
0: five, probably well, time comp is probably my second. And that's speaking of that sliding scale. We, we introduced to the show about two, three months ago. His movies are always just a sliding scale me. Am I a move for martial arts or am move for, you know, just a better story? Time Cop is usually floating around the top. Sudden Death for the obviousness of it, but back when everybody was making Die Hard knockoffs. Yeah. But this doesn't seem to be a knockoff of anything. It's a straight, straightforward story. Enemies Closer and... I think what else sells to the simplicity of the setup, and I don't mean it's simple. i just mean it's it's efficient. It's
1: uncomplicated. Yeah. They don't they don't gum it up nope. with a bunch of unnecessary story points and silly action sequence. Dude, all the, I mean, it it moves along really quickly. It's, it's right. what is it? 82, 83 minutes. It's super efficient. Yeah. There's not any wasted shots. There's no fat. They just get to the next scene. I mean, it it moves really well. Yeah. I mean, I was sure, you know, that it was going to be laborious to get through the 80 minutes or, you know, somewhere in between. Cause I knew that Himes, you know, Himes, I love, uh, there's so many good Peter Himes movies that, somewhere along the line i was gonna be like yeah it was gonna be slightly better than it, this i you know what here's the thing the next movie needs to fucking really bring it to be better than this
0: yeah yeah it's it's gonna end up being like we always try to stick with names the the book and the the theme if we're doing one for the month and we thought this is kind of like this is a good one to like lead in because we both thought this was gonna be on par with the previous two, but we didn't think the previous two were going to be as bad as they were either. So the other two were uneventful. This is just a blast of an action movie to watch. It's again, like it's uh, it's not unfamiliar territory, which again, why it's why it works so well. And the cast beyond Jean-Claude is fucking so good. It's like Tom Heverscott is playing Henry Taylor and he's the park ranger there that you follow right in the very beginning. And then Orlando Jones shows up later on. And now, you, if you know anything about the two guys, or if you just go based on what they've done on camera, you think those guys are very similar as far as they're they're always very likable. They seem like somebody you'd want to hang out with. So you think pairing them up together might be too much of the same thing, you know, peanut butter with a different kind of peanut butter, if you will. But they're both really good together. And Orlando Jones shows why we're like, you know, we don't say his name a lot, but when we do, we have a lot of nice things to say because he's, dude, he's, he's so good. And he's very much a chameleon too. You think he's just the, the guy from Mad TV and, or he's doing those kinds of roles. And a lot of ways his time machine role is not unlike what he's done on Mad TV, just a character kind of thing. But he's good in this. He's really good in this.
1: He is, he's no, he's very, he's very good. It's funny. Like I, like I said earlier, when we were, before we started, he dude, he's totally, he's playing that Ernie Hudson sidekick fucking role yeah. again. I I don't know that I'd seen him do what, there's another movie. I can't think of the name, but I'll have to look at, look it up here in a second. But I feel like there was another sort of chase movie that he did somewhere after time machine, but I would never seen him, you know, sort of do an action movie. I mean, I'd seen evolution and he's totally fucking dude. I totally bought him as a fucking action guy. Yeah, he looks the part. He's physical. He moves well. I mean, yeah, he's great.
0: Right. He's in a lot of stuff, and but he's usually playing that kind of part, right? He deviated that from a bit. The same year that he did Time Machine, he did Drumline
1: and The Replacements. Yeah,
0: which he's great in. People always hired him because he was this mad TV guy, and he could play character. So he kind of was like he was. That's why I was saying he's a community. He kind of step into a. A role of something that you're like, hey, what what is this? Now, there's another movie that we talked about when we were talking about. I think it was Crawl, right? Wasn't it Crawl that we talked about? Maybe. Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah. Well, he is in Biker Boys, which we always talk about <laughs> for Mario. Uh, hold on, dude. Double Take was the movie I was thinking. He was with Eddie Griffin.
0: All right. Let's see.
1: <laughs> 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 That was the other movie. That was the one I couldn't remember. But I, you know, it's funny, man. I looking at just looking back at it. I didn't really. I forgot he was in Magnolia. You know, a little oh, yeah. bit in Magnolia, and
0: pretty damn good career, man. One of the movies that we talked about on the show when we did Crawl was Primeval. Yes. Yeah, that one with the awful Dominic Purcell. Correct. And that one, Orlando's in that. But he's strictly the same kind of guy I was talking about before. He's there for when things are getting too tense. Or, um, But unfortunately for that movie, Primeval, it's such a funny-ass movie to begin with that, you know. Yes, you're not sure who's the comic relief in that yeah. movie. But watching Orlando as a turn, playing it serious. I mean, he doesn't even... He might have one or two one-liners, but he plays it pretty straight as a guy that's on a mission to to take out our uh, Thomas Everett Scott for what happened to his brother. And I'll save that for the people that want to watch it. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's simple, obvious connective tissue for these kind of movies, but it's fine. And they don't make too much of a meal of it early on, but they deal with it later on. You know, they become, they come, I don't want to say they become buddies. It's not until the very end though. Right. Where they finally kind of. Right.
1: Where, you know, they may go have a beer together. Right. (laughs) Not murder each other. (laughs) Not kill one another. The best thing this movie does is they just, they keep it super simple, man. They don't, you're, but not in a, not in a way like you're like, Oh God, this is so dumb it's really, it's like just the facts, ma'am. Right. Like if Jack Webb was to fucking come in and write the screenplay, right. <laughs> that you get just the facts and that's all you need. Cause I was pleasantly surprised watching this. I almost, I mean, I, I didn't start it till this morning. So I literally, it's all fresh in my mind. So it's all, I, that's one of the reasons I'm just kind of jumping all over the place because I literally just finished it. <laughs> I forgot to watch Actually, I started it and then I ended up going to bed. And I got up early this morning with the intent to watch it, but I got wrangled in a bunch of other shit and I didn't start it till like 7.15. Right. And, uh, you know, it's an hour and a half with their little commercials uh, close to it. So I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to barely squeeze this in. But I feel like it was longer than that because I didn't finish it until like 9.06. Right. But God damn, what a fun little movie, man. What a pleasant surprise.
0: When I was doing research on the movie, I discovered that all those exteriors in Bulgaria and these, and I first, I was convinced it was Canada. Dude, yes, it looks, I mean, it does look like, yes. (laughs) And all the interiors were in Louisiana. So what strikes me funny about that, I mean, it's not unheard of to do that. There's some cost savings going on there. But there are three Brits in this movie and I would have never known that. Huh. Mr. Sanderson, the old man. He's, he's British. Lindsay Cocker, who plays the girl he that he rescues in the beginning, she's British. I was like, Wait, what the fuck? Well, I'm sorry. Like Lindsay Cocker, now that I know that you were that you're a British actress, good on you. Cause I was thoroughly convinced you were Canuck. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she certainly she certainly seemed
1: Canadian. She played it well. Yeah. What's crazy, dude, is uh, Van Damme's kid is one of his uh, one is, is one of his baddies. Yeah, Chris Van Dam. Yeah, you can and you can, see can it. tell. You
0: can see it, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's the one. Especially when they're on the boat, he's, he's like also, he's also the one that doesn't talk. <laughs> Jeez, correct. Uh, most of the henchmen are all kind of they're all B- Bulgarian. Uh judging by the last names. I'm not going to dig into them too much, but also the fact that that there's nothing really to be said about them on IMDb or Wikipedia or anywhere else because. Their stunt players being thrown into costumes and standing in a boat. What's great about them is they all look like they could be mercenaries because maybe they were. (laughs) Because they were (laughs) at some point, probably were. They
1: got it before the film. Before they were paid their fourteen dollars a week to be stunt players. Yeah, they you know they may have killed people. His banter with those guys on the boat, like when he's telling about the yeah. heroin, that it's what dude he is so good and like he is having such a good time. And I, I was wondering if those guys could even understand what the because they totally all look super annoyed, yeah, like fuck you, dude. Like, I was wondering if they could even understand what he was saying, but I mean, I, I thought that the, the play between him and those guys was great,
0: yeah, I think you're right. I think it, Himes recognizes the limitation of a situation and that these guys. So you have to go on the boat out here and do these shots. I can't have too many people out here in the water. Otherwise the boat's going to move too much. And then he says, cause it definitely wasn't, they weren't doing dry land shots for water. Cause you could tell, and you know, Himes just said, all right, told the Bulgarian translator and say, just look brooding. <laughs> Don't say a fucking thing while we're out there. And that's right. What, yeah, that's. What, I'm going to light them in a way
1: that's going to help that as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any complaints about any of the acting in this movie. I mean, and dude, this, this when we get into our little fight, the fight scenes are actually
0: really good. They are, like yeah. the the one in the opening inside the ranger station. Well, that's what I mean. Is like Peter, if it was somebody else that's not Peter Himes and knows how to shoot, didn't know, doesn't know how to shoot an action movie or hasn't ever. That's what a funny thing you see in some of these movies, and we saw it most certainly in Fair Game when when you're having fights like this. I don't know. It's just me, but I really expect you to be—I don't know—at least be educated by seeing movies.
1: What What I appreciated about the fights in this, this is the fact that we we can see them. They're not the, the exactly. camera. It's, the camera's not. It's not like two guys fighting each other wearing GoPros. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, we're actually able to see and enjoy what's happening in front of us as opposed to all these. Uh, you know, and I kind of blame the Born Identity for you know the Born Identity did it right, but everybody who copied you know most of the copies of the Born Identity are, are terrible. Yeah, uh, but they become the norm, unfortunately. But dude, the way this is, and this movie's
0: ten years old, crazy. I know it wasn't released in here until the middle of 2014, even though it got released first. It's one of those weird ones. It got released first in France on DVD and Blu-ray. It, like, if you wanted to see this movie, you had to import it. And then, I don't know, five, six months later, it came out in the United States on disc, which, it's, that's weird, man, because it's an American production company. But I can't really tell, but obviously the money came from, came from France at some point, because that's where it originates as far as the, the initial release. Okay, there is one Bulgarian in this movie that has some lines, and he's got a, a pretty substantial part in it. And this is Ahari Baharov is playing Saul, who's the first Canadian Mountie, finger quotes, yes. that we see. I'm so glad that we didn't get the whole obvious good enough fight at the end. Like I thought for sure right. that was no, going to happen. I w-
1: yes. I was waiting for it, but yes, I I was just looking at it. I was just looking at his face Yeah. on uh, IMDb. Dude, but he's great, dude. Like he's, he's, he's got the great, del- but yes, I was waiting for that big sort of here it comes, you know,
0: but didn't. But but he would have been if Jean Claude was the good guy. <laughs> Correct, a hundred percent. Because there's no way that Thomas ever Thomas ever- Scott can hold his own against Orlando Jones in a fight, and that's where it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I I don't believe that he could have taken Zahari or Jean Claude. But hey, man, it's a movie, and he is the
0: hero. So there was there was only one moment there I thought was a little bit. I'm surprised that they stayed on as long as they did. But they got this wide shot of Jean-Claude's double in the boat, and they stay on the wide shot way too long. Because we've been staring at Jean-Claude's hair the whole time, so we know what it looks like from close-ups, medium shots, and for the most part, long shots, too. It, it, it was clear by the size of the person that it wasn't him, it, it, but they didn't cut. They just like he throws, he throws Thomas Everett Scott in the water. It's at the, the tail end of the movie. It's literally like the moment before the movie ends. And you're like, oh man, why? I know it's a short movie, but look, you got your feature film length, but don't leave. I mean, there's kind of If you want to stick an extra two or three seconds in from somewhere else, you could have done that. Just put an insert shot or two. You didn't have to like stay on the guy so long, like, cause he did a great job hiding, doing, because they shot so much for, so much of it for nighttime stuff. I mean, there's a little bit of daytime, but not a lot but you I was never convinced they were trying to hide people's faces based you know they did a great job of that and so for them to stay that long on them when they have like i don't know 50 10k's on the other off camera lighting up the whole lake is like it's a bit much man it's 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 clear that it's not him and it's they just stay there too long but it's not until the end of the movie where it's like, ah, oh, man, could just cut just a little bit sooner, right? And I'm surprised too because John is well established, even at twenty in 2012 when they probably were cutting this, 2013. He, he's a good direct, He's a he's a good director. He's a good uh, camera guy, and he's a good editor. He edits almost everything he's done. He's got a ton of TV time. Again, efficient editing, it's probably why the movie as a whole works. That's why when you get to that moment, I'm like, oh, did he throw a bone to his assistant editor, let them shoot it, cut a scene? Because that's what it felt like. I felt like it was a little different than the rest of the movie, but whatever. It's again, I'm looking for things to knock it, and I'm not knock it, but not sound like I'm just going to, you know, stroke the whole thing. Because the bottom line is, I'm probably gonna order this on Blu-ray to put on my shelf because I'm gonna watch this again and I don't want it, some dumb streamer being the reason why I can't watch it. So
1: dude, let's talk about Jean Claude's hair because it's fucking
0: fantastic. Yeah, I mentioned it briefly. <laughs> I mentioned it briefly there. Cause you, again, you're it is it it's i I'm its obsessed own, it's, with that fucking yes, hair, dude. It's its own character. <laughs> and to like right in the beginning you see him walk in. What?
1: <laughs> Dude, the way he's backlit, it look he looks like it's like it's looks like Christopher Walken in Sleepy Hollow.
0: I laughed out loud. The good thing about this is like when you get your introduction to Jean Claude uh, again at the i station, then where you've already seen Saul walk in as Canadian Mounties, you realize really quick that they're not really Canadian Mounties. Um, but the fact that they weren't talking was pretty great because oh, dude, I was yeah. totally convinced that Bulgarian dude was, was French yes. Canadian, man. I was like, I dude. totally bought it and it wasn't, it wasn't ADR and it wasn't looped nope. in. It was definitely him speaking. Good for him. He looks like, what's his face from hot fuzz. Yes. You He looks just like that guy. Uh, by the way, that guy's still only 43 years old. I was just looking him up. Yeah. He's 43. So, dude, he was, like, barely, he was barely in his 30s when he did that. I would have thought he was a little older than that. But ben. Yeah, he's, menace- he's menacing looking. But as soon as he steps aside, you're kind of like, there's Jean-Claude. And standing there in his Canadian mounting outfit, I'm like, oh. And then he's standing next to this guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget how short you are.
1: Dude, the, 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 yes. And there's a crack that's made later when they're in the boat. And uh, Jean-Claude says to Tom Everett, How's the wetsuit fit? He's like, yeah. it's a bit tight. Your diver must have been short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't make, don't, what do he say? Don't antagonize the man with the gun. Yeah.
0: He says something like that. But, but before he said that, he's like, well, yeah, but you killed, uh, what the fuck was his name? You killed Edo. Right. And I'm like, which one was Edo? <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's like, well, but that's, what's funny. Cause the way he says that it like, like it was his wetsuit, the Edo's wetsuit, but well, don't they say from the beginning that they're they're going after Henry because because he, he's the diver? Right. Yeah. So anyway. I, and I don't think Ito's dead yet. I don't think Ito's dead either, because I think Ito
1: he's the guy who gets is isn't he the guy who gets uh that Orlando Jones attacks on the,
0: the, ah, yeah, the that, he, that you think he's dead? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, again, you know, it, none of it makes any difference no, when you're watching no, the movie because no. it's 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 so much damn fun. You don't really give a shit about things like that. It's not like oh, let's yeah. get it right.
0: <laughs> right. As soon as Jean Claude walks into the ice station, and you see his hair, I'm like, oh, dude. Yeah, they do a great job of hiding his hair on the cover.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I now I understand the cover. That's what I was. That's where I was going with it. Um, and uh, also. I remember thinking when we had talked about the, when you and I talked off mic about uh, that poster, but I got to say, actually, I kind of like that poster now because now that I'm looking at it and I've seen the film and I realized that his face is framed in a knife and it's on fire, it's got all the cool, it's got all the kind of shit you would want in it if this was 1997,
0: 96. Right. It's hard to see this cover and not think he, he's the hero of the movie. Yeah, it's a good misdirection. Yeah. But I guess that's
1: the that's the name above. That's why his name, you know, he's the, he's number one on the call sheet. I guarantee it, yeah. even if he's not in the movie every day. But, I mean, could you imagine? You couldn't put Orlando Jones or Tom Everett scott on this poster. Nobody would care.
0: Nobody would see the movie. Yeah. yeah. Considering the market they were going for right off the bat... Um, yeah, selling right to the French right away and then over here I, I, think, I think it deserved a better fate than what it got over here and Lionsgate did the, did the distribution here and I'm surprised it took them that long to, to get it together You know, I, I don't think it's a at, at a time when Blu-ray was really flourishing I just can't believe that they'd wait that long to put it out here in the states it's not like he's on a draw and it's not like um, Redbox doesn't need to be filled up with stuff and I do remember seeing this in Redbox. I do remember seeing it, but the cover was slightly different because you know how it is. Redbox covers are always a little different. It looked more like Mending the line. Yeah, I'm kidding. I wish <laughs> every Redbox cover that looks like looks like the Mandy the line cover. I mean, this uh, the, the this cover's not actually that
1: terrible. Like, you know, now having seen the movie in, in context, uh, I, I don't hate it as much as, uh, you know, I mean, is it great? No, but it like for what it is, it's
0: pretty good. What are you talking about, this movie? Yeah, and he's closer. I'm not talking about Men in the Line. God, no. I know, but I inadvertently was talking about fly fishing, and I didn't mean to.
1: Well. <laughs> it's fly fishing. Isn't life, isn't life about fly fishing? It's some fly, I'm
0: doing some fly fishing.
1: Dude, my, that's the one thing that makes me laugh, is every time it's fucking night, there's gunshots going off, and the cops show up, and everybody's like, oh, no, I'm just doing some night fishing. <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Like when, 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 uh, when Lindsay Cocker goes and she tells, you know, to, to the cops, oh, just doing some night vision. Come on, man. Those, those cops. Those cops, those, those cops are dumb. Yeah. They're supposed to be. A, my favorite part in this movie is when Jean-Claude picks the apple from the old man's tree. Yeah. And he's telling the story about his grandmama.
0: Right. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's so corny. When, he, when he's having that monologue and you're like, what the fuck's he talking about? And then he, and that's why I'm a vegan.
1: <laughs> and that's why I'm a vegan. No, dude, it's so good. It's like, it's so, uh, dude, he's just like, again, He is actually having, he's having so much fun. I have to say at this point in his career, he should just play bad guys.
0: Yeah. We haven't gotten to, uh, got to Jean-Claude Van Johnson yet, but you can see how they get there from his performance in this, you can see why somebody would sit around and this is the movie someone goes, hey, you know what? <laughs> right. Because, you know, he's he's usually, I talked about it when he didn't know where to run. He does this head cock thing that used to just drive me fucking nuts. And
1: he does, his good side. And it just trying to get his good side photographed it, all the, all and the time. And does
0: this thing like, he's like, well, it's his way of, it's, you know, people when they, when they do their impersonations of John Wayne, they almost invariably go, well, before he says something, yeah, even though it's, he never did that, right? He did. That's what Jean Claude does with this. It's his version of well, but it's it's more like a it's more of a tick than anything.
1: I honestly think it's because it's someone told him that's his good side in photographs, and he oh, because he literally and it's you know I because he does it a lot. he does it even when he's not speaking in a lot of movies. You are like, what are you doing, dude? It's like a glamour shot moment.
0: But he always does it before. And usually he does it. And like, the majority of the time, it's just before he says a one-liner. <laughs> but it's, it's just a bit much. But he does it once in this, but it's not so bad. Um, the lighting in this, because of the nighttime stuff, he, it just showcases it more. And I talk, again, I talked about it every time I talk about a Jean-Claude movie. Has he ever talked about what the fuck that bump is on his forehead? It's always there. It's been in every movie except for maybe Bloodsport. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There's this little. It's look. It's like his little welt. Like he got popped. Like, and I saw him no. One... I think.
1: I, th- I think. I think that happened on Cyborg. Yeah. I think, I think there's a story. I think that there. Uh, Something. Yeah, because some. Uh, because one of the stunt fighters, there was an accident, and one of the stunt fighters got his neck broken on Cyborg. I think, but I think that's where he, where he incurred that bump was on Cyborg. Yeah, um, right like now. maybe cracked his head. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it's related to cyborg. <laughs> Someone's like, maybe it's a tumor. Maybe it's a tumor.
0: We've always the growth of this object, which became quite pronounced, starting with Wake of Death, and has been featured in every film he's made since then. And I was like, oh, it way before that. It's way before that, dude.
1: Yeah, it's to me. I, I remember seeing it's it's you even see it
0: in uh, you see it in sudden death. Yeah, you see it on almost all of them. Yeah. Someone it's somebody goes, it's a cyst. Hmm. Anyway, anybody's closer again. It's you've seen this all before. And I'm just gonna give you the quick log line, even though we're 29 minutes into this thing. There's a plane crash and it's got a bunch of heroin on it. And John Claude wants to get the heroin. <laughs> that's that's the setup, really. And Scott plays the Park Ranger that's up in the area where the where the planes crashed. And Orlando Jones plays the brother of a um, man that wants to kill Thomas Everscott for letting his brother die for reasons unknown. <laughs> oh shit! I said, did I spoil something? Don't read Wikipedia. It tells you everything about it. The Wikipedia on this one plays out like the writer said. All right, let's go ahead and put our outline into paragraph form and stick it on Wikipedia because it, it sort of feels like
1: it feels like it's written by Chat GPT. <laughs> um,
0: speaking of,
1: uh, it just sort of—I mean, one of me most. Wikipedia shit, I, 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 I'm convinced is written by bots. I was so prepared and so happy when I didn't get Cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. Because that's what it is.
1: I mean, it's kind of what it is, but it's just a better version. I mean, it doesn't have all the fancy camera work <laughs> and it doesn't have, you know, Sylvester slow and flexing his muscles in and all, all, you know, through the whole movie, wearing a tank top for
0: some reason. Dude, it's, this movie's way more fun than that. Cliffhanger was a popcorn movie. It was a summer movie. It came out early summer, it came out in May, I think. It had a purpose. You know what I mean? It it had a it had an agenda. It had a release date, and it's going to be this. And Stallone was huge in 93. And is it the plot similar? Sure. But as much as I like Lithgow in general, I I enjoy Jean Claude playing this part more than I like Lithgow and Cliffhanger. Again, it's the same kind of movie. It's the same situation. The difference is is that Thomas Everett Scott it isn't on the mission that he's on because he let some woman die. He let some, somebody else die. Somebody else died. It's okay. Again, it's just, it's just kind of a fun, like, I don't
1: even want to say throwaway movie because, again, it's something I'll probably watch again at some point just because
0: you could do worse. Yep. See last week's and the week before. <laughs> That's right. Right now, this silly ass movie is where it's on. It's a Tubian Plex, I think. And then he's closer. It's solid, dude. It's like, it's not, it's. uh, First of all, it was nice to watch a movie that was uh, 235 as it was shot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, dude, there's some some great shots, like the shot of him picking up trash in that fucking beautifully deserted uh, wooded area that he's in. The light looks amazing
0: there's something to be said about a director that's got the that's got the camera in his hands cuz he knows what he he knows what he needs he's already bored of the silly ass movie he knows what shots to get and that's why it's a brisk movie that's why it works the way it does that's why you don't feel unfulfilled and like there's something missing in 84 minutes 83 minutes whatever the runtime is before the crawl you know what i mean it's it's again as you said it's economical filmmaking and and that's not a knock at oh. all. In fact, it's a compliment. We have that both, what both of us have it. And people in general, you don't have to be in the business to already have any kind of production experience to say, if you've seen enough movies, you can recognize when there's efficiency going on behind the set from from pre-production to production to post. And this movie has all this, this guy's had 40 years experience with Peter Himes, dude. What was his first, was Outlander's first thing? Mm, maybe or like first big thing right I feel like this
1: is his this is is this going to be the last Peter Himes movie is my question he hasn't directed anything since so I'm guessing maybe he's semi-retired or retired retired
0: yeah semi he did his first
1: feature was bursting in 74 busting busting yeah. Yes. Yeah, so with Elliot Gould, oh, Robert, yeah. Robert Cap-
0: Blake. Capricorn One and Telephone where were like, oh, I guess those were both big movies. Those were good. They yeah, had big push, right? And then Hanover Street, that I remember because it was like. Oh, yeah. So Harrison Ford and Karen Allen. Yeah. I would. I used to confuse the the poster. I'm like, is this 1941? Oh, wait. That's Mer- Leslie Ann Down, not Karen. Yeah. I
1: picked that thing up probably 50 times. I don't know that I've ever seen it, honestly, though. No.
0: It's got a great fucking. It's, I remember Hanover Street had that, did that same thing with, with Star Wars where it felt like every week in the newspaper ads, they had some new cover or new poster art that it, that was so unique. I'm glad the, I'm sidebar and I'm getting too nutty with that. Dude, if you want, but
1: Peter Himes, like if you want to go back and look at some great Peter Himes, you could start, dude, you could start with his '87. you could start with Outland. You could go right into the Star Chamber, which I love, dude. I love the Star Chamber. I remember I saw it in a theater on a double feature with Blue Thunder. yeah.
0: 2010, I love it, dude. We've talked about it. We, I don't know if we're ever gonna cover it, but just know, just know, we both love the shit out of it. Um, I have seen 2010. I've seen it way more than I've seen 2001. Well, and that's the thing. As I'm, I'm kind of just trying to think about a number. Is at least eight, nine times, right? Yeah. I've struggled to watch 2001 once, and I, and I'm like, why? I have no reason to go back to it again. I just. That's why we were watching that freaking video where where he's busting reference balls about. Yeah. And I'm like going, ah, you know what? I love you, Bill, but that movie's a fucking drain, dude. I I can't. I'll never see it the way you see it and people like him see it. It just doesn't do it for me. Running Scared, which we've already covered on the show. Yep. We (laughs) have. Loosely. (laughs) Dude, the Presidio. Which is uh, you know, kind of a, you know, we just about, fun- what were we talking about? We were talking about Presidio, but it never make the episode because we were just trying to figure out if somebody had done something else. Too. Oh, I think it's because it's getting a, it was getting a Blu ray release. Uh, no, I think we were looking to see, we were looking up a director and saying, did he do Presidio too? And that's what made his look. Uh, I forget. But we, then we go, no, he didn't do Presidio. I couldn't remember what. Did he, yeah.
1: Uh, but he also did Narrow Margin, which is a great movie. Yep. With Hackman and Ann Archer. Yep. Stay tuned. Which we've talked about before. Yep. Time Cop and Sudden Death.
0: Yeah, Time Cop was almost our Jean-Claude movie when we didn't know where to run. Yep. And I think it was just a matter of it wasn't. I think
1: Sudden Death was on the list too, but they, neither one of them were available for the yeah, to Yeah, we I think
0: we were sticking to stars, I think, at, at yeah. that point, and neither one of them were available. The Relic... And dude, say
1: what you will about The Relic, but I fucking love it. Dude, it's rad. I know. I mean, I don't mean you. I just mean people because I know that it's a movie that people like will either go, I, I always heard it sucked.
0: Nah.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know who you talk to. Yeah. Uh, again, I saw The Relic in the theater because Peter Himes directed it. Yep. Sizemore. Yeah. And then End of Days I, is probably the last of his movies I saw in a theater. Yeah. Totally enjoyable, you, you know, and that was kind of at the end of the Arnold, you know, that was, that was Arnold post, uh, a racer. And, you know, it was, it was when the, when the cash cow was starting to go, but the end of the day is super fun. Yeah. My musketeer was
0: the last thing I saw in the theater with him.
1: Yeah. But I mean, God, dude, I mean, just, just that amount of, you know, how many directors have that many hits, right? You know, and, you know, and like you said, Capricorn one was a big, and Capricorn one's a good movie.
0: Yeah, because that was one of those ones I didn't, like, I knew and I watched when I was a kid, when I was out. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s and I watched it again. I'm like, yeah, it's dated because of, you know, it's just for James Rowan's hair and, and beard. But the movie is pretty fucking brilliant. You know, that was a time where we were, the country was, like, doubting everybody and about lots of things and weren't happy with our administration as far as a presidency, and Gerald Gerald Ford was in office at that point, right? And right. That sounds familiar.
1: Seventy-seven.
0: Well, well, no, uh,
1: no. Jimmy Carter. had Well, taken Jimmy over.
0: Carter, but it was, but it was still the, everybody was soured on everything, and
1: yeah, they were soured on the whole
0: Nixon uh, White House Watergate uh, into Ford's presidency. Yes, right. And then when you see, and then when Telefon being an espionage movie, you can kind of see Peter. Peter Himes was in a. He was on one. For, for a little bit making those two movies I have never seen a Peter Himes movie that I didn't like me neither I just I haven't seen one I didn't like or as I, I said uh, about the performances in this movie they're either good or they're really good and that's how I feel about Peter Himes movies and we did talk about that I think we said something similar to that during Running Scared when we got serious and we're kind of going back and forth between that and the other that's Running scared. Paul Walker movie yes <laughs> Us trying to be funny. Abraham's rocks. I mean, yeah. Is I have? Are we seeing? are we seen our last movie from him? Maybe it's possible. I mean, he's eighty, so
1: right. But it's not. Look,
0: here's the thing. If that was, it's not. You know, it's not a. It's nothing to you know. Hang your head about. No, no. You got that's uh, his filmography is solid, and he kind of went out with a bang. It's kind of a bummer though that. The movie didn't get a, a proper release but you know 2013 we're still in that now the dvd window is slided over to be a blu-ray window and uh we have those tail end of it drying up right 2015 we're starting to see streaming more 2016 yeah i'm surprised with that I, I think it's just one of those things he went all in he did he basically just did what francis did on megalopolis he's like you know what i'm gonna go for a big swing here uh, to save on costs, I'm going to shoot it. My kid's going to cut it, and we're going to shoot in Bulgaria and then shoot down in New Orleans. And that's, you know what I mean? It was very, very methodical. And it says it's a $5 million movie. I'm not surprised that it's there. It probably, $3 million of it probably went to Jean-Claude, honestly, dude, because it's the cost savings that they did. And like you said, it's economical filmmaking because if there was more than 25 setups, I'd be surprised. I don't even think it's that much. Yeah, they,
1: shot, they probably shot this movie in 25 days yeah. easily. 27 you know.
0: according to Wikipedia, so there you go. Yeah,
1: well, there. yeah, I was just guessing. And that was more tied to travel, right? Just tied to sure. travel days. Two, two days travel. Yeah. One Peter Himes thing before uh, we you know, wrap this up, I guess. Back in 2011, I went to see Running Scared, 25th anniversary. Peter Himes and Darlene Flugel uh, did the intro Q&A after the I remember
0: movie. that happening, yeah.
1: And it was so great, dude. It was so cool to hear just kind of give a great film. I don't want to say lecture because it wasn't like he, his knowledge and his love of film, and you could tell. Did he think? I mean, here's the thing. Did he? Did he think Running Scared was his greatest? Film? I don't think so. But like to hear him talk about the, the, some of the stuff, that, the things that happened, and tell stories about that. Not just that film, but just about his career in general. It, it, it's one of my best memories. And I've seen a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff there and I've seen a lot of directors. But Himes and Darling Flugel w- is probably my best. And it's probably one of, it's probably my top memory, you know, from going to the New Beverly because it was kind of, you know, I always had liked Running Scared, but I was like, yeah, okay, well, Peter Himes is going to be there. I love Peter Himes. And I went and I was not disappointed. And, and I can't believe that that's been 12 years ago.
0: Yeah. Weirdly. Before we close it out, and I meant to, I'm looking at my notes and I was at the very top of my notes. The gore in this is so good. I see yes. movies like this. They, there's lots of throat cutting and stabbing of necks and stuff that it was like the blood. They had a great makeup guy, no question, because it would look fucking real every time it happened. It was like, it was solid too. And and I I would be remiss not to point out something that I've never seen a fucking movie before. A fight in a tree. Right? Dude, and what a tree that was. Holy dude, shit. It was so realistic, dude. They climbed up the tree. And the whole time they climb up the tree, I'm thinking, well, where the fuck are you gonna go? Down. <laughs> right. There's only one place to go. And it was solid. The way that the way they, the way they had choreographed that entire sequence was so good because you're just kind of like going, Oh, this is all right, is this where the movie's gonna falter on me, right? And <laughs> it doesn't, man. It just, it, no. it's fucking realistic because the trees, branches are catching them all the way down. Is it any less absurd than maybe, I don't know, Hudson Hawk, where they keep getting caught by uh, canopies on the way down? You know what I mean? Of, of a high rise building. No, you know, kind of slowing their momentum down. It, it, it was no different than that kind of thing, but it was, it was far more realistic because you're like, I've, I've seen trees like that. I know. Uh, I, dude,
1: I've fallen out of trees right? and I've fucking hit several branches on the way. Down. I, I broke my ribs like when I was 11 Yeah, falling in a magnolia tree, which was about half the height of that fucking monstrous tree. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. All the set pieces are great. They work really well. And when you think about how many days he shot, again, twenty-seven days. Part of me is like, kind of going, "That's that's a man who's working the studio system. Got who got twenty-seven days. He really could have made this movie for half as much if he cut down. If he cut down days to like fifteen, and he could have because he's that kind of director. But I think there's more. There might have been more uh, tied to money and availability of people. So, yeah but, and also I think I, I got a feeling that Jean Claude, like he's, <laughs> if he spent more than a week on the show, I'd be surprised. Yeah. And that's probably why we see his stunt guy, his devil as often as we do in Bulgaria, because it's all those exteriors like, they shot there. But for the most part, that was the, only, he's there and you see him there. It's not like, um, right. Well, it's not like a cameo, right? right? It's, it's not like they, we yeah, we both, like here's a splash of Van Damme. Right. He's on the poster. Which we both suspected. Yeah, we suspected that because we read the one rundown of it. I'm like, uh, well, that sounds like it's Everett, Scott, and Jones there that are the leads that are having to deal with this. Okay, well, all right then. He'll just be a splash.
1: I was expecting uh, it to be more like Fled. Like there was going to be a lot of them handcuffed running through swampy, or, you know wooded air, wooded watered areas in Canada with, uh, you know, and Van Damme would show up every once in a while. Get
0: down! <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that's enemies closer. It may end up being our favorite movie of the month <laughs> at this point. I'm going to say, dude, the next movie's got to be,
1: the next movie better be real impressive.
0: And it, and it was already kind of behind the eight ball because of the obvious repetitiveness of the plot and the star and the stars tied to being tied to these kind of movies. Yes. So it's going to, it's going to be, and it's why we picked it. We picked it because it would be, it would be a flavor, a very flavored uh, episode because I, and I think that this might be our favorite one, no matter what we see with the next episode.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, I here's the thing. It's, uh, you know, the other movie, it'll be cookie cutter, manufactured, and we're gonna hate it, or you know, or or it'll or it'll have to be the you know one of the best fucking action movies I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's gonna need to be. All right, well, if you want gonna follow us on the socials. The show is at Karate Pod on X, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Insta, and on Insta, Corey is at culper ninety seven, and on Letterbox, it's Corey underscore Culp.
1: If you like to follow me, you can follow me at Freddy Waff on. Oh, Jesus Christ, what am I doing? If I you know. like to follow me, you can follow me at <laughs> Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me at Tom Everett Scott on Letterboxd. That's not true. You can follow me at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody, Letterboxd. Yay.